I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. All right, Ephesians chapter number four, Ephesians chapter number four, and uh, last night I, I think I, I came up here a little prideful, and then after church I was shown this picture, uh, if y'all can put that up there by chance, um, maybe, it's not up there, it's coming, okay, this is where it's all getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Okay, Every, everything went south after that. All right, well, I want you to, it's, okay, well, I just want you to know online people seen it, and all of you are fired, and uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hey, it goes, my bad. Somebody took a, somebody drew a picture of me last night, and uh, it was, I mean, it was pretty accurate, and, and uh, he said in the top right corner, he said, uh, guy on stage. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But anyway, I guess you didn't. So I was going to show that to you tonight because it was very humbling, but uh, he was very accurate. So tonight we're going to be looking at Hebrews, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start there in verse number 11. And so let me read 11 through 16, and then, I I mean, it's crazy. I just showed uh, Brother Tim uh, the illustration that I had down, but I'm not going to use that. I'm going to use what just happened in front of you guys tonight. So let's read this real quick. Ephesians 4, 11, and he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain uh, to the unity of faith, uh, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure, uh, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Uh, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together in every joint with which it is equipped. Uh, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so uh, this illustration that I had had something to do with an orchestra. But I'm going to use what just happened uh, here a few minutes ago. You've seen uh, all these adults across the way. You've seen the kids. You've seen the instru- instruments. And everybody was in tune. Well, I want you to know when they started out, that's not how they started out. Right, Brother Joe? Where's he at? Uh, that's right. Yeah. So that's not how they started out, okay? When they started out, that's not how they sounded. Everybody's learning and getting their notes. The the instrumentalist is learning their notes, getting when Brother Joe wants to do this or wants to do that. But what's important is they have a conductor. Does that make sense? They have a conductor to get all of them harmonized. He's hearing, he's listening. He's pointing. He's saying, you ain't no good. Get better. He's saying, you know, hey, look, he's saying all these things, encouraging, correcting, but he is conducting. And so I watched him over here. Well, I didn't see him until about halfway through the song. 
I was like, where's he at? Probably drinking coffee somewhere. And, and so I looked down at him. What's he doing? He's conducting. Every, everybody is watching him conducting. When to come in, when to fall out. And the kids came in perfect, didn't they? I mean, they did so good. What a blessing. And so when we look at this, we see, just as been shown us tonight, harmony, harmonizing our gifts. And that's what he's talking about here tonight, harmonizing our gifts. Remember, last night was harmonizing our conduct with our calling. Now he's going to take our gifts, and everybody here has a gift. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit began to give you gifts uh, to help edify the body. A lot. Some folks teach that uh, we uh, edify God. God don't need edifying. He's complete. It's us. We need edifying. We're not complete. We need each other. We need everybody to do their gift, whatever that may be. You may have multiple gifts. Many of you and many of us, rather, has the same gifts, but some don't have uh, the speaking gifts. And right here, this is what we're going to look at. The church has more non-spiritual gifts than public, and we are not using them to the uh, capable capacity because our churches in many ways are weak because people look just like the church did in Ephesians. There was pride here, just like the church did in Corinth. Corinth was just drenched with, I want philosophy, and they wanted to be higher up, and who's more important than this or that? And, and our churches sometimes are full of that. God ain't about that. God is about do your part. Amen? You do your part and watch everybody else start getting synchronized where they need to be. But there's got to be a conductor. The head of the body is who? Christ Jesus. The under-shepherd is who of this body? The under-shepherd is Pastor Tim. So there's conductor. The Holy Spirit of God speaks to Pastor Tim. He speaks to the leaders. It begins to bleed out across the congregation. And then each of you uh, uh, has a gift to help edify the body. His gift is teaching, is preaching, is proclamation. His gift is that. That's what God gifted him with, administration, whatever else the gifts may be. And so when we look at this tonight, I want you to ask this question to yourself. What are the key speaking gifts God gave the church, and he lists, them through, he lists them right here in front of us. Look, he said apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So let's look at the one at apostles right quick. This, the, the apostles mean sent out one. They had a direct mission that God sent them out. But to be an apostle, there's some things that had, some requirements that had to be met. Let me, let me give them to you. Uh, you had to specifically be selected by Jesus, Acts chapter 1, 24. You had to physically be with Jesus, Acts 1, 21. You had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Christ, Acts 1, 21, 22. You had to be given a specific or special gift of apostle, 1 Corinthians 12. And you had to have been able to perform apostolic sign miracles. These apostles communicated the inspired truth. So this is a gift that I believe is no longer here. And, and I'll explain a little bit of that in a little bit. Number one, uh, we don't know anybody that's 2,000 years old. Do you? Because I don't know anybody that, that walked with Jesus that's still with us today. Let me tell you all something funny. I went to Jerusalem about two years ago, and uh, uh, it was about 50 pastors. And so we was about to, to get on the airline. You had to be questioned and all that. I can't remember the airline I used. You probably use it up in New York. 
But anyway, big old plane, I fit on those. And, um, and so I, I get to the, to the lady asking me questions. And she begins to ask questions like, you know, uh, do you know anybody in Israel? You know, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Well, I thought it would be pretty funny to say yes. And she says, do you know somebody in Israel? I said, yes, ma'am. Who is it? I said, Yeshua. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, she did the same thing you did. I thought it was funny. She did not. And uh, they called somebody else over there to communicate what was about to happen to me. So anyway, <laughs> apostles are no longer. So sometimes they can take that word apostle and people want something prestigious and they say, I'm apostle. I'm just giving an example. I'm Apostle Tim, and they may want that prestige name about it, but and, it, and they are mission, they are sent out. We as pastors are sent out to feed the flock and so on. I get that, but when you look at the requirements to be a apostle, uh, we don't fit that. I'm not 2,000 years old. Does that make sense? And so then we look at the prophet. The gift of being a prophet was also a foundational gift of this age. The gift of the prophet was a gift in which one received direct revelatory messages from God that could foretell God's word and foretell God's future. A New Testament prophet received direct revelatory truth from God before the scriptures were written. So right now, I, in this context, I do not believe we have prophets in that way because we have the full word of God, 66 books. It was not all written at this time. And so now I believe that we don't, have those, and so when people say, and I had this happen to me one time in church, this lady came in, she said, preacher, I got to tell a new word from the Lord today. Can, can, you, can, I, can I tell the church? And I said, well, may I ask what new word you're speaking of? Are you talking about a brand new word from the Lord? Or are you talking about something that you learned in Scripture, and this is just how you worded it? No, 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 this is not in Scripture. This is a brand new word from the Lord. I said, okay. I said, well, let me, let me show you something. I took it back to Revelation, last chapter, and it says, if anybody adds to these words or taketh away from these words, all the plagues of this book will be added to them. Now, if you want to read that and you tell me you want to stand up, I'm all for it if that's what you want to do. Now, is it a new word or an illuminated word from what we already got? She said, oh, it's illuminated. <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or punkish or whatever. But this is where shepherding comes in. And it's hard, guys. It is so uncomfortable when someone is so excited and they're saying, God did this. And in your mind, verses are running through your mind and you're going, this is not God. How am I going to tell them? You, you know, and, and because you're not trying to bust their bubble, but it is important for correction. This don't mean I nor Tim know everything. Does that make sense? And so... Uh, the gift of evangelism. Look here, verse 11. The evangelist is one who is uniquely gifted by God to communicate the gospel. One of the marks of, of one of these gifts, uh, the evangelist gifts, is a heart for, is, is so burdened for the unsaved. I had a gentleman in our church. He was good. I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, he could explain the gospel so well. Sometimes even I still get so tongue-tied when I'm talking about the gospel. If I would just quit getting in my way, sometimes I'd just be fine about it. But this guy was so good. I mean, we had this girl one time 
uh, at, we was uh, at a restaurant, me and my wife, and I, I told uh, this girl, I said, you just look so burdened. If any time we could ever help you and talk with you, please come, just let me know. Me and my wife will meet you. And she said, okay, I want to meet. Okay, that went well. I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, so, so we, we set up a meeting and met at the church, and I was sitting there, and she said, I, I don't know salvation. I, don't, I mean, I, I know like Abraham, Isaac, Jesus, Jonah. She just started naming people in. I, I don't know where they go. I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know anything. I panicked. I mean, I panicked. I said, well, huh, we need to go all the way to Genesis 1-1, baby, and I'm taking you to Revelation. Sit back. And I mean, I started. And I mean, I went through, I mean, it was fast. I mean, really fast. Boom, 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 boom. And I got through, and you know what I said? Well, you want Jesus? She said, no. I'm like, you kidding me? Did you hear what I said? I mean, this was unbelievable. I could remember all that. And you don't want him? And then my wife interrupted. I didn't say it like that. But my wife interrupted. She called her name. She said, listen. She said, uh, what is the one thing that I would need to know about waitressing? Because I've never been a waitress. This is my wife speaking. What, what's the one thing you'd say I need to know to get me through? She said, oh, good attitude. My wife looked at it. She said, you need to know one thing and one thing only, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. When you find that and you accept that and you understand where you are in all that picture, all these other things you named are going to fall in place. I thought to myself, good night, whatever. You know? <laughs> I mean, no. The girl gave her life to Christ. Wasn't that beautiful? And I'm sitting there thinking, man, no, why? But there are people who are gifted in that, man. They go out into the hedges and highways and hedges, man, and pull them back and pull them to us. Look, the next gift is a pastor teacher. Look, when you have an evangelist using their gift, bringing people into the church, and they get taught by the pastor and the teacher. You have a rich combination in the church. The particular gift here that God enables a minister to accurately understand the scriptures and communicate them to the church in shepherding, leading the way. And the true pastor, true shepherd, must be able to accurately teach, to feed the flock. He must be over it, protect it, nurture it, and not hoard over it. Does that make sense? Those people who, who are over you and they beat you up. And it, listen, they're beating up the bride of Christ. They better be waiting because when they meet Jesus one day, he's not going to like that. Amen? There's a way to preach hard, preach stern, preach loving, preach truth, and not beat someone up. You say, okay, so how do you know about beating someone up? I've done it with my mouth. I've been in the, oh my goodness, we was talking about this the day uh, when I started pastoring 14 years ago, I think about the, some of the things I have said, some of the antics I have done. Thank God for Tabernacle Baptist Church showing me mercy and grace, and they didn't stick me out on the curb. Thank God they loved my family more than me because we wouldn't have ate. Y'all follow me? I mean, I'm, I think back, I'm like, oh my goodness, how could I have said that? You're just learning. You're learning. There's times still I mess up. There's times still I say something, I say, oh, that come out too harsh. Let me back up and repunt, you know? And they give me that grace. They give me that mercy. Tim, don't make mistakes. And so anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. Look, as, as a pastor, man, there's shepherding, there's love, there's protection, there's nurture. We had this guy, um, uh, Brad Patterson. Oh, my goodness, man. Brad was so good. He was such a good man. 
And Brad just had a revival in his life, man. And uh, it was just going on, and it was going on about two years. You sit right over here to my right. And, and anyway, found out Brad had, they found a spot on his brain. It turned out to be brain cancer, and they gave him like four months to live. And, and you see him deteriorating. Man, it was almost every Sunday you've seen him deteriorating. And I used to pick up Brad and take him to Kepley's Barbecue up there in High Point. He loved Kepley's Barbecue. And, uh, and finally, I would go pick him up on Thursdays at 12 o'clock. And I'd go to the house, and I'd say, Brad, you doing all right? Oh, he was so sick. There was nothing they could do. And, man, he'd get there, and he'd say, Preacher, I, I just can't walk. I can't walk. I said, do you want Kepley's Barbecue? He said, I do. He said, I can almost taste it. I said, do you want to eat it there, or do you want to eat it here? He said, and what he was doing, he was remembering as a child sitting at Kepley's with his folks, and he was like, I want to go there. I want to go there. I said, all right. Now, it's a little odd when you see a grown man carrying another grown man on his shoulders into a restaurant. <laughs> but when I think of nurturing and pastoring, I wanted to give that man what he desired until I couldn't anymore. Does that make sense? And, man, I'd set him down in that, that little seat and set him over there and get him a, he wanted a large sweet tea. That thing was huge. And I'd get him that large sweet tea and I'd get his head because he forgot how to, he was forgetting how to move and grab. I don't, I'm not a nurse or doctor. I didn't know what to do. I'd grab back his head and I'd push him to that tea. <laughs> and boy, I'd get him right there to that tea. And as soon as them, them lips got on that straw, he, his lips did it. Did like that. He'd get that tea and he'd start drinking that tea. And he'd go, mm, mm, good. Like that. And that lady would come by and she would say, you want sweet tea? He'd nod his head and she'd be pouring while he's sucking the straw. And he'd go, keep it coming, keep it coming. And he was turning into a child that he used to be. And, and I remember I would tell him, finally we couldn't no more. But anyway, he would sit on the front row and he got to mumbling. Y'all listen to this. He got to mumbling. And, and used to, right before he got to mumbling, I'd be preaching and all that. And man, he'd go, right on, brother. He would do like that right in front of everybody. Right on, brother. I said, man, thank you, you dead crowd. Anyway, thank you. Anyway, I, and he would say that, and all of a sudden he started mumbling. Every son got that way. And finally one day I went and I said, Brad, what are you saying? He mumbled. I couldn't understand. And I got in his, put my ear into his mouth. I said, say it slow. And this is what he said. God, use me. That's what he said. One of his last words in hospice. And he was just shaking. He was going, that's what he was saying. God, use me. Everybody in here tonight looks physically healthy. Physically healthy. He did a great job. He ended his journey well. The question you need to be asking yourself tonight is, God, are you using me here in this local assembly? Are you using me, me and my gifts? What in the world are my gifts? As a pastor, teacher, it is our duty to teach this word so that you find those things out. But it's also your duty to come to the leaders of this church and say, hey, help me figure out my spiritual gifts so I can be used right here. Amen? Right here. Look, let me just give you a couple of things. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, service, uh, administration, discernment, uh, faith, knowledge. These are just some of the things I've jotted down as spiritual gifts. My spiritual gifts is exhortation, teaching, and discernment. Uh, and I don't mean that my discernment is I can tell you the future. I just feel strongly sometimes that I don't may not know what's wrong, but I know something's going on. Does that make sense? And my kids can't stand that. I mean, it's how they walk in. I look at them, what's going on? They're like, uh, 
Nothing, Dad. You lie. Come here. What's going on? And I mean, I mean, it's just like, and, and listen, my dad was the same way. I mean, man, people coming to the church and it's a new kid, you know, and it's that and other. And he's like, I'm like, Dad, can so-and-so go home with me? Nope. I'm like, why? Because he's a jerk, you know. <laughs> and the kid grew up to be a jerk. How did you know that? How did you know? That was great inside it. He called him something worse. He, he, I'm kidding. Hey, listen, it was, it was discernment, man. And listen, the more and more you're in the Word and the more and more you're around people, that might be your gift. That might be your gift. And listen, the more you're in the Word, and if you do have a gift of discernment, don't think Pastor Tim and these leaders mind at all for you to come up and say, I've been praying, I've been studying, this is what I've read. God's impressed on my heart. And listen, all of it's connected. And God's pressed on my heart this and this and this. I think we need to be careful. Don't think God don't use that. Amen? He does. And we as leaders need to hear that. Look, he goes on. Question number two, why did God give these gifts to the church? There's three reasons God gave the gifts to the church. Reason number one, God gave these gifts to equip the saints. Oh, man, listen to this. The word equipped has the idea of mending or fixing something. A particular word was used in reference of surgically setting or fixing a broken bone so that, that, that it could be restored to full productive health and used again. The purpose of this church is to sur surgically feed the flock God's word and truth so that people, listen, can be fixed and mended so that they become mature and healthy and strong. Faulty theological teaching keeps our bones broke. Amen? It keeps our ideas on the, or our thoughts on the wrong doctrine. People come all the time and say, this is one of the favorite uh, verses of Scripture, Matthew 7. You know, judge not lest ye also be judged. Don't judge me lest ye also be judged. Preacher, you can't judge me lest ye judge me. You know, and I'm like, well, first of all, if you'll take that Matthew 7, and you'll read it in full context, it's quite the opposite in what it's teaching. What it is teaching is, is that, number one, whatever particular thing I am discerning or judging whoever on, I have to make sure in that particular setting, I am right with God in that, all right? As you read on, it says for you to keep your eyes open for those wolves in sheep's clothing, those false teachers, if he teaches us not to judge, we're not going to be able to look and say, you're a false teacher. The Bible doesn't teach that. Does that make sense? So that's not what he's teaching there. He's teaching us quite the opposite. And so when we look at these things and we see how he is correcting us uh, and equipping the saints and restoring those that have been broken. Reason number two, God gives these gifts to be able to do ministry work. All Christians are to be ministers. Ministry is one that means every believer goes to church is to go and listen, learn, so that they may carry out the sacred service of ministry. That is what you do. You come in, you hear doctrine, you hear it applied, you take it out into the highways and the hedges, and you are the evangelist if you are that, or you bring those people in, but you do the ministry. You make the phone calls. Not that Brother Tim nor I don't do that. I'm just giving you the idea. It's not all our work. Does that make sense? So many times, churches feel like that's what I pay you for. And I don't think you feel that way, but shame on churches that feel that way. It's like, look, we're going to pay you. You go do it, and we're going to live whatever way. That is not how Scripture has it built. Everyone here has a place, and it's very important. Reason number three, God gives 
these gifts to build up the body. The role of the pastor is not the same as an evangelist, although we have evangelist gifts in us, okay? The evangelist needs to be taught and then go evangelize. The pastor teaches. Uh, pastor teacher's job is to equip the saints by carefully teaching God's Word. If you remember 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Paul is frustrated with them because he says, listen, I, I gave you milk and I come back to give you meat. You can't handle it. In Hebrews, he says, listen, you're supposed to be on milk. You can't handle it right now. You're supposed to be able to teach and you need to be taught. What is going on? And this is the cycle of our local body assembly. Sometimes people come in on Sunday mornings, they sit down, they get up, and they go out. There's no fellowship, there's no talking, and then some, not all, some of those people may say, well, that church is just not friendly. Do you want us to tackle you? To be, I mean, I don't know, and sometimes that's been said at our church. They said, they're just not friendly. Okay, well, you came in after music started, and you left when the altar call was given. So how are we supposed to talk to you? Do you want us, do you want me to notice you when you get up? Because I can do that. I mean, I don't, you know, hey, look at the visitors. Good to have you. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But but you have to you have to be friendly and make yourself friendly. Amen. Y'all buying that, right? <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, we have to make ourselves where we can communicate and fellowship with one another. And man, some people are just loners, aren't they? They just they don't mean nothing by it, really. My wife's that way. <laughs> she don't like me. And <laughs> and uh, she's that way. Listen, she's very quiet, very quiet. I'll tell y'all, we, we bought a uh, car. I, let me back up. I, I bought her a car in 03. It was a Suburban. And that thing now has got like 260000 on it. So she, I think she needs a car, don't y'all? And so I said, hey, listen, what do you want? We'll see what we can do, whatever. And she goes, I think I want a car. I'm just tired of driving the tank around. You know, we call it the white lightning tank. And... Um, and I said, okay, uh, and we looked at Honda Accords and said, and that's what we got, 2021, brand new. They gave us a full tank of gas. <laughs> We've had that thing last, uh, two weeks ago, we had it seven weeks, and we were still riding on the tank of gas they put in it. She don't go nowhere. <laughs> she goes to buy groceries, and she goes to church. And that's all, that's all she does. And now around our parts, I don't know if they do it here, but now they're delivering groceries. Do they do that here? Yeah. yeah. These people are pulling in all time. Who, who are you? I got groceries. Oh, Lord, here. I mean, you know, if, if it ain't them, who's them people that delivers all in packages? Amazon. Yeah. It's either them or Amazon. We got Amazon over for Thanksgiving and Christmas now. I mean, we just <laughs> come on in. He was there. Their family got them a present. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's crazy. I said, honey, you got to leave. And this is what she said. We got Bible study every Sunday night at our, our house. We got about 20 folks that come over, and we're going through the entire Bible, uh, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, so on and so forth. But we're doing that study. And so she told our girls the other day, she said, girls, I'm going to tell you something. She said, if it was up to me, I would never leave. I'd stay right here in this house. I could do online church. I mean, she's just that one. She said, but your daddy pushes me to be around people, and I have to. I need to. I see the importance of it. You better. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and, uh, anyway. So, and so, so you, she sees this importance of that. Listen, my wife's gift is, one of her gifts is mercy. Oh, my word. I mean, mercy, 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 mercy. 
mine is discernment. And what happens is sometimes her mercy can go way overboard and people she begins to enable. Y'all with me? And so there needs some discernment there. Do you see how the body is becoming, getting together and helping one another? Because she looks at me sometimes and says, hey, you need a little mercy. You're not showing enough mercy. You've forgotten where God found you. You follow me? And we're starting, you know, it helps us to see people and help people. And this is what the church is for. So do you see this point? The primary job of the church is to build up the body through the Scriptures and not entertain the lost. Oh, my goodness. Question number three I got for you. How long are these gifts operative in the church? Let me say this real quick before I go on to this one. I'm going to say this carefully. It's my brain. Now, see, I'm getting nervous now because I don't want to mess up and then not get invited back tomorrow. And uh, so here's the thing. There's many churches out there who their idea of, of what their job is as a church is that every meeting is an evangelistic meeting. And so every service is salvation. Now, granted, that's not all wrong, but the duty of the church is to feed the saints. They're the called out ones. You're the church. This is why we meet while we preach the gospel, while we preach grace, while we preach these things that help uh, the saint, I pray, Lord willing, that there might be lost in the service. They see your gifts being practiced and say, I don't have that. What's wrong with me? And God uses that as an influence in their life, and the Holy Spirit's power begins to draw them to Him. Just like a while ago, that worship service, Oh, my Lord, don't ever stop worshiping openly. Amen. Don't let it be fake. You need to have something privately. But what that does, and I did not feel that that was fake, what that does is it shows somebody's been with Jesus. Amen. And it's not just showing up at church. Somebody's been with him. I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit was on this place, man. And I was sitting there thinking, what, looking at them kids? I mean, singing. I, as I don't know, it's Miles' boy, that youngest one sitting right here. And he was standing back, and that old mouth, I'm going to hit just open like that. But listen, all of them, all of them was just a singing, and my heart was just boom. Because I was sitting there thinking, man, can you imagine how the Lord is so blessed seeing his church and all of these things come together, and there's a conductor there leading everybody, getting everybody involved. Listen, there had to be an under-shepherd, amen, teaching the Word. Sometimes when a pastor evangelist kind of comes in, you see all these things that begin to pop up and people either may be giving their life to Christ or people getting right. And sometimes, the, and I've, I have been there, sometimes the pastor may feel like, Lord, I've been preaching these folks a year. I ain't seen nothing. It's not, what he's been doing, he's been plowing that ground. He's been planting them seeds. He's been watering that seed. And somebody comes in, different voice, same message, and God uses it and, and gut punches people and they hear it and they listen. And man, their life comes alive. Does that make sense? I, I remember one time I had, uh, and it could have been Tim, I don't know, but I, I was standing in the back of our church and this lady come and she told the person that was there, that was speaking for me, uh, she said, I have never heard that passage spoke like that. Never. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I mean like six months ago, I said the same thing he did. 
And I know you was here. You were lying. You heard it. And so, and so I mean, things like that. But you know what, man? It's all a part of God's work. Now, listen, y'all going to come out here and tell me all kind of stuff. Now, don't do that. So how long are these gifts operative in the church? Okay. Look at verse number 13. Look at verse number 13. I jumped way ahead because I want some ice cream. Listen. How long are they operative? It says, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Until we all attain unity of faith. As every believer develops and plugs in using his or her gift, there is a unity to the body of Christ. These gifts will be needed until the entire body of Jesus Christ is united in heaven. It's going to be this way. The second uh, answer of time there, until we all attain a knowledge of the Son of God. This is so important. Look here, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. When a church is functioning properly, there's a real focus on this deep knowledge of God's Word. These gifts will be needed until all have this knowledge of the Son of God. So uh, what, what we tend to do here is we, uh, I, I, I jumped ahead of myself, but we teach about salvation all the time. That is the foundation, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 15. That is the foundation in which we build on. There is no other foundation than that other than Jesus Christ, amen? We build on that foundation. Without that foundation, there is no foundation. There's nothing there. All will crumble. And so when we look at this text and we say, listen, I want to get this knowledge of the Son of God. Learn His attributes, His characteristics. Hey, look, read Matthew chapter 4 and what he did being tempted. After 40 days of fasting, he was tempted psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He was tempted in all those ways. And in all those ways, you know what he said? It is what? Written. How did he defeat the devil? It is written. He went to the Word. He went to the Word. And this is what we have to do. And so when we want this deep knowledge of God, go to the Word. Listen, number three, until we attain. When's this going to end? Until we attain to spiritually mature statue. Every believer should be developing and becoming more and more Christ-like. These gifts are needed until we all uh, mature. And since we all have work to do, we need these gifts. We're on our road to maturity. Let, let, me, let me read you something real quick. I, these guys don't have it, but it's an ADD moment. Let me just take it real quick. Um, I won't keep you. Look, in Hebrews chapter number 5, um, Yes, verse 11. It says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing, for through by this time you ought to be teachers. What I said a while ago, you need someone to teach you again. Listen now. Basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of, listen, discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We're missing this today. We have church people who I believe who are born again, who cannot stand up for the good. They won't do it because they feel that they're going to lose their child to this or that or the other and they don't have a backbone. Trust God. Amen? Trust Him. And I know it's tough when you see something going on 
physically right before your eyes. Trust God. Trust him. And so when you look at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, 4, verse 12, look, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It gets right between all your emotions and feelings, and it cuts you open just like this, and it helps you discern the things are to be right and wrong, even when you don't want to feel like it is wrong. You have to go with Scripture. I told the kids today, feelings will lie to you. Amen? I mean, you see this junk on TV. I don't even watch the news. I can't do it no more. I get so mad. I mean, we've taken common sense, and we did just like it. and said, whoop. And I get so mad. My wife is just like, look, just don't watch it. Because what it is is what I intend to do is when I watch it, I go to my oldest children. Now, listen, now, let me tell you this right here. This junk right here, that's a lie. Here's what you, you know, and they didn't even ask. They didn't even say they didn't believe it. But I just want you to know, if you're thinking that this junk is right, I'm going to help you believe it ain't. Does that make sense? And so my wife's like, hey, look, calm down, calm down. And, and so, you know, pray for our marriage. And so when, we, when I see these things, I want to take the word to the church. I want to feed them. I want to show them that this is sharper than any two-edged sword, amen, and it can help us. Let me read on in Ephesians chapter number four. That last question, what are the results? What are the results of these gifts that should produce in the church? There are three results. These gifts should affect our stability in doctrine. Look at number 14. Number 14, it says, so that we may, if, if, I, if I'm doing this until I have unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, I'm maturing uh, I have great stature in the fullness of the Lord. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro uh, by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine. It gives me stability, church. When you hear someone on TV, I'm not going to call any names now. I'll call them out at my, my church, and he may, but this is not my place. But I'll tell you this. When you hear somebody on TV, if you watch these televangelists, whatever you want to call them, and they're preaching and they say, that Jesus Christ uh, uh, was flesh, was flesh at death, but didn't become godlike until after the resurrection. That's false. That's a false teacher right there. And your ears ought to perk up right there and say, I ain't listening to that junk. Bam. Right there. I'm not going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The problem that we have with so many preachers is this is how they preach. They open up their Bible, they don't know where to go, and they go, Bow. And they put their finger on it and they go, oh, and they preach this verse. And they don't get the context of the verse. And they lead people astray and people live falsely because they will not take the responsibility of themselves to get in this book with the Holy Spirit's power, lead their families and shepherd their families, men, and follow their husbands, women, and children get in order. They have no stability. They're tossed to and fro because they're living on feelings. That's not so. Let me go on. These gifts should affect our speech to others. Look at number 15, verse number 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the uh, head uh, into Christ. So, uh, this not only should affect our speech, but our attitude in which we use our speech. We should lovingly uh, speak the truth. We should not ever uh, concede a lie. 
And the more Christ-like we are, the more truth-oriented we will be. We will not believe half-truths, twisted truths, distorted truths. We will be truth-oriented, fact-oriented. If we truly love people, we will speak truth to people. We will not distort truth or lie about truth. In the house of God, there should not be any lies. And that's coming from the pulpit as well. I, I know them. He knows them. Other leaders, I'm sure, knows them. Pastors get up here and they begin to turn scripture and manipulate to get you to do what they want you to do. That ain't godly. One day we will stand before the Lord as pastors and we will answer for how we treated his bride. We will. Result number three, these gifts should affect our growth in Christ, 15 and 16. Let me read 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 15, our growth is into Christ. And in verse 16, our growth is literally out of Christ. We're in Christ. It's out of Christ. Our love is manifested. Listen, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you, obviously, but there's folks in our church that we may not jail. I'm not talking about they've been mean to me. I've not been mean to them. We, we've just not had a time to jail. But it does not mean that I don't love them. Does that make sense? I love them in the Lord. But, but we're just not jailing. That's it, it, all it is. It could be uh, the way we were raised differently, whatever it may be. You know, sometimes you have those very artsy people. Y'all know what I'm talking Everybody in here is like, yeah, we got them right here. Yeah, oh, whoever that is. We got those artsy people. You know, they just see things a little differently and, and they bring joy and funny and so on. I'm not artsy, you know. I don't, you know, and then you, you have people in the church who love animals. <laughs> yeah, and listen, I love animals. I got dogs and goats and so on and so forth. But sometimes if I start talking about, you know, hunting, it can get uncomfortable. Does, does that make sense? You know, I, I'm not eating cats or dogs. You know, I'm just, you know. And so, uh, anyway, y'all follow me? I mean, there's times there's just different things that go on in life, and, and some people see things a little differently. And so we have to be careful, have to show that love, even though we may be a little different. Listen, two parts here and I'm done. Each person, each person is important to the church. And each person needs to realize the importance of going and showing their gift in the church. Listen, harmonizing our gifts. Everybody in here has some the same gift. I believe everybody, every believer has the gift of hospitality. We need to be kind. Amen. I mean, look, when you, only one. Everybody else, I mean, we're going to let her do it. You know, listen, I mean, no, no. Listen, we all need that. Walk, I mean, I, being with Tim out and about in town or whatever, just walking by. We may not know the people. Hey, how you doing? We don't mean nothing by. We're just being cordial, being hospitable, you know? Some folks say they know the Lord. There is no joy in their life. Something is wrong. You are being in bondage. There is joy in the Lord. No matter the circumstances of which you were raised in and what you're living in now, you can find joy in the Lord. And so, please, I want to encourage you tonight. Harmonize your gifts together. 
so that this church can be fully capable and used in this community. Hey, God used me. Amen.